Do you want to know how Sheets and Giggles, an e-commerce brand in bedding space, launched and raised $300,000 with crowdfunding to launch their brand and how this brand raised $2 million from VC funding in only one year? Stay tuned because you don't want to miss this episode. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. And- Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. What do sophisticated direct-to-consumer brands like ColourPop Hawkberry and Custom Inc. all have in common? Well, they rely on Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform that powers over 25,000 online businesses. Klaviyo is supported by a dedicated team of experts and it is a platform that processes and consumes more data than any other in the market. Klaviyo helps you own customer experience and grow high value customer relationships. Right from shopper's first impressions to each subsequent purchase, Clavio will understand every single customer interaction and empowers brands to create more personalized marketing moments. When you have a 360 view on customers, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit clavio.com forward slash 2x to get Clavio's holiday planning guide. Remember, that is Clavio dot com forward slash 2x all right guys welcome 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 to the 2x e-commerce podcast show and i'm your host kunne campbell this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail and you know we love interviewing founders founders that have stories that you guys can take away dissect and you know even if it's one thing you take away from this conversation you take it and impact growth in your stores that, that that's that's the objective of this podcast and it's it's always been the objective from day one on today's episode i have with me colin mcintosh he's the ceo and founder of sheets and giggles now they're in the, in the bedding space um and um they two two things two things two reasons why I really wanted to catch up with um, with Colin. First is crowdfunding. Um, they raised close to three hundred k US 
in a crowdfunding campaign, which we need to dissect in this um, episode. And they were able to build leverage to get VC funding to further you know, generate more growth. I think the VC funding so far has been to the tune of about 2 million. Yeah, it's two, yeah two different rounds, a uh, half million round in late 2018 and then a $1.5 million round in the middle of 2019. Super, super interesting. Sleep, wellness, you know, they're huge, huge industries now. And um, there are lots of both um, hardware, which is physical products and software, um, you know, in the market coming in um, to, to take this massive market. I think it's about 12 billion you know, dollars um, the, and the just in the US, yeah, mm-hmm. in the US yeah. only. So there's massive potential. Um, I'm not going to babble too much. Um, I, I'm just going to introduce Colin. Colin, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure having you. Thanks. It's uh, it's great to be here. I love doing these uh, whenever I get the chance. So I'm really excited to talk about SMG and um, hopefully I can say something that clicks for somebody in the audience. Okay. So, so you normally, you, you normally refer to as S and G. I do. I shoot some giggles S and G. I, I can't say the brand name without laughing. So I tend to not say it too many times in a row and I just shorten the S and G. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. And is, is that, um, verbiage carried over to, to your, your customer base? Do, do they, it, it is. Yeah. Everybody says S and G, uh, our, our, social on our emails um i I like it because i think the power of the brand name not to dive right into the branding but like i think the power of the brand name is really the first time you see it the first time you hear it um and so i on the website we only say sheets and giggles once on the home page and the logo up top and that's it and then everywhere else smg and I think it's, I just don't want to exhaust people with the pun, with the joke. And it's more of a click through vehicle versus exactly. a conversion vehicle. Yeah, exactly. 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 Okay. So where do we start? Let's, let's go back to your backstory, background and your why. I, I, I'd like to really get to why you started it out. You know, why, why you started SNG out? What, what was that big idea? Um, <clears throat> well, truth be told, uh, I I had a wearable tech company that I was the found not the founder of, but on the founding team of. I was the CEO, um, mm-hmm. and we got our start in 2015 when wearable tech was really really hot. Fitbit had just IPO'd, um, and we ended up raising about three million bucks in a seed round that year. Uh, we did tech stars, and I was I was the person that wrote the original business plan in 2013. So I was really really excited to see it come to life a couple of years later. Um, unfortunately it ended up not working out the way that we had all hoped. And for a lot of reasons that I can't get too, too into, um, in terms of what happened, but the lessons learned I can get into, um, we ended up all getting laid off at 1 PM on a Monday in September, uh, 2017, which really sucked. Um, and you know, when you get laid off at 1 PM on a Monday, uh, with all your close friends that work with you, uh, first thing you do is go get tanked. And so we get, we went and got pretty, pretty drunk, uh, on a mon- Monday, on a Monday afternoon. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, and so that was the first order of operations. And then, um, from there we went to, I think the Rockies were playing that night. So we did the Rockies game downtown right. and I had like 10 coworkers with me, ex coworkers now. And I kept telling them like, you know, all the stuff we did wrong at the wearable tech company, like we, we too heavily leveraged in physical retail. 
we were trying to build our own category. It was like a life alert for young women. It was like a modern life alert to try to prevent sexual assault and violence. It was a, it was a niche, a niche audience. It was a very serious brand voice and everybody else in the space, in the safety space also has to be very serious. So we don't stand out at all. And I was basically going over all things. And I was like, and I owned sheetsgiggles.com at that point. And when you get laid off, you start thinking about what, what you're going to do next. And I told my friends, I said, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to either go work at Amazon and forget this startup nonsense and get a good healthcare, a good paycheck, like and that sort of thing. Or I'm going to go crazy and start my own company. And it's going to be called Sheets of Giggles. And so, and so I ended up doing that three weeks later, uh, after we got laid off, I incorporated S and G and, uh, the reason why I chose betting. And so for the audience, just the audience understands, um, the bed sheets that we sell and make are not cotton. They're not bamboo. They're not polyester. They're actually made from a material called lyocell, which is, uh, if you're familiar okay. with, if you're familiar with bamboo viscose, um, okay. eucalyptus lyocell is the third generation of the same process. Um, okay. in terms of making fiber and sheets out of plants and wood. Um, and so the, the benefit is that it's much more sustainable than cotton, polyester, or bamboo, uh, regarding cotton it uses about 96% less water to make no insecticides, no pesticides, 30% less energy. Um, with bamboo, you can't reuse the, the solvents in every wood pulp batch with the bamboo viscose. You have to dump mm -hmm. them. That results in a lot of wastewater and runoff. With us, you can reuse 99.6% of the chemicals in every single batch, um, okay. which winds up being a really sustainable closed loop process. And then with polyester, obviously, that's oil-based synthetic, never biodegrades, never goes away. Number one source of microplastics in the ocean. So I encourage everybody listening, never buy anything microfiber polyester. Um, in any case, uh, I literally, after I got laid off, I went home, slept it off. And then I remember I woke up and I decided to write out my perfect business plan. And I, this is exactly what I did. I said, I want a, ma a massive commodities market with zero brand differentiation or loyalty. That was, uh, you know, a very, uh, boring space. So I could be funny and zig where everybody else is zagging. Also one that was traditionally physical retail. So I could help bring it online with a direct consumer model. And then I also wanted something that was a very low complexity supply chain. So I wouldn't have to employ, um, firmware engineers, uh, Bluetooth, uh, software engineers, um, didn't want to do any, any industrial design tooling purchases, that sort of thing. Um, and so I ended up looking at all the domains that I own. Like I said to my friends the night before I own sheetsgiggles.com and I looked into it in betting $12 billion market in the U S growing 10% year over year, zero brand differentiation, zero loyalty, no switching costs, no incumbent market leader. So highly fragmented field. Um, and it was just kind of perfect. And then from the sustainability perspective, I knew that I wanted my next company to have a sustainability mission. And I did a bunch of materials research and manufacturing meetings and ended up finding out that the eucalyptus lyocell was this really amazing high quality premium material while still being sustainable. Um, and then I was off to the races to build, build my own brand. Well, that seems very, very structured and regimented, you know, um, yeah, it, it was a plan. It was a it was solid, a, it was, it was a solid plan. A lot of founders, they do this thing and I don't begrudge them for it. I think it's very natural where they'll do that a problem and then they'll build a solution and they spend years of their life and hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars building a solution to this problem they perceive. And the problem with that is that the market, when you finally launch it, the market might say, no, thanks. Or, or more insidiously, the market might say, we really love what you're building. Um, we just don't want to pay 
the price that you want us to pay for it. And you can't make a, make a sustainable profit margin on it. So I did things kind of backwards. I built a business model that I was very, very passionate about that I knew would be a sustainable and profitable business model that I could scale. And then I ended up building the product for that model. And so everything we do bleeds into that, even to this day, all the colors, sizes, new product lines. This is our comforter box behind us that we're launching um, next month. Uh, all the new products that we come out with, they're always by popular demand. They're always what the customers want. They're always what our community wants. Um, and now, and we've been shipping units since October, 2018. So we've been shipping for about 15 months now, and we've now shipped tens of thousands of units of our sheets, duvet covers and pillowcases and over 2000 reviews on our site. So it's been really, it's, it's exactly. been on, on Amazon too. So it's been really fantastic. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So how, why did you go for a mass market product? Uh, because everybody's a customer. Uh, and so you just need uh, brand impressions. So my, my hypothesis was if I could just get in front of people at the right time for the right cost um, when they're making this buying decision, uh, we could be the most visually interesting brand. We could be the most uh, out there brand, the weirdest brand. Um, and it's a really hard tightrope to walk. It's, it's premium, sustainable, and funny. And like, that's, that's a really hard brand voice. And I love that brand voice because I think it's very difficult to replicate. I think it's very difficult for other people to, um, try to emulate. And so, uh, that's, that's why we ended up, um, doing the mass market approaches because there, everybody in this space is so boring. I, you bored me to tears when I was doing my research in this category. Um, it's always the white sheets with the white walls. There's always like a French press somewhere on the comforter, which like French press coffee should not be going on a white comforter. That's like highly dangerous. Um, and so, you know, we were able to zig where everybody else was zagging in a, in a massive commodities market. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches, and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's a deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, that extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Remember to head over to Rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. Okay, so that's probably your choice of color, purple. Yeah. Um, okay, right. So how, where did you start to stand out? Um, 
the obvious answer would be your Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. Uh, but within Indiegogo, there's a lot of competition. How did you, what was your strategy to stand out? I haven't seen your, your crowdfunding video, by the way, but. Oh, you haven't? Yeah, so I would, encourage, I would encourage everybody to watch that because that's my favorite piece of content we've ever made. Um, okay. But so, so basically. Was it Dollar Shave Club funny or did you, did you go humorous in it or? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Dollar Shave Club actually was founded by a guy named Mike Dubin, who's an Emory University 04 grad. I'm an Emory University 2012 grad. So it was, it was, he's, he's a big influence on me. Um, actually my, my buddy, uh, one of my buddies, uh, another Emory 2012 grad, uh, was the co-founder of a company called Plaid, which just sold the visa last week, $5.3 billion. So Whoa. good, for, good okay. for my buddy, my buddy, Will. Okay, um, so yeah. yeah, it's a great, great lineage. Sorry. Great. great Segway. Yeah. Just, yeah, just a, just a tangent. Yeah. But so, so basically, um, so Mike and Dollar Shave Club are a big influence on me from a brand voice perspective, from a tonal perspective. Um, and so our video was definitely a big way we stood out, but it's not just that. So I think the, if I can dive into it a little bit, I think yes. people really, um, I think people really goof on crowdfunding strategy because they go into it thinking, okay, I've got this great idea. I got this great product. Um, it's a no brainer for me. I have all these friends and family, my Facebook friends, my LinkedIn contacts. I'm going to go ahead and put it on Kickstarter. And, you know, what ends up happening is they get three backers or 10 backers. Their mom doesn't back them, which breaks their heart. And then uh, they wind up getting like five or $600 in orders. Um, and even, and they don't realize that even if they have 50 friends and family back them or a hundred friends and family back them, if they have a hundred dollar product and a hundred people back them, it's only $10,000 and you can't start a company with $10,000, at least not in earnest, not like in a real, a real larger play. Um, and so for me, it's all about preparation. So work backwards from your goal and then everything starts to fall into place. So we wanted to make $100,000 to prove out that we could get the market in a revenue funded way without outside capital. So we needed a six figure campaign. So what we did is just, okay, $100,000 is the goal. Uh, we know that in crowdfunding, you want 30% of your total on the first 24 hours. Uh, that's how crowdfunding math works. Big boost, and then you kind of plateau, and then you have a nice boost the last week. Um, then uh, if we want 30% on day one, that's $30,000 on day one. We want $30,000 on day one, and we know that our average unit price is going to be $70, and we know the average person is going to buy 1.5 units estimated. And that means the average order value is going to be $100, which means if we want $30,000 at $100 average order value, we need 300 customers, period, end of story. And you know that on crowdfunding campaigns, your day one backers almost come entirely from your email list. It's going to be partially your friends, partially your family, but it's mostly your email list. And so if an email list reasonably converts at about 3%, 2% if you're doing something bad, 4% if you're doing something good, 1% if you're terrible, 5% if you're amazing, then if an email list converts at 3% and we want to play it safe, we need 10,000 emails to get those 300 customers on day one, period, blinders on. So starting in January, 2018, that's all we gave a damn about ahead of May 1st, which is our crowdfunding launch, which was gathering 10,000 emails. And that's exactly what we did. We ended up doing uh, 11,000 emails gathered in eight weeks ahead of our launch. When, uh, how did you do it? Did you get emails? Super simple formula. Um, obviously it's simple to follow. It's not as simple to execute on. Um, 
So the formula is really easy. You build a landing page, you do a Shopify store. You can use a third-party software like a Kickoff Labs, which is what we, we use for our landing pages. Um, and then uh, when you are um, you know, gathering emails, you have to have that landing page. You have to have three distinct value propositions in order for anybody to give you the time of day during a crowdfund. Uh, and then you're basically just running Facebook advertisements to that landing page. And you have a social contest, so people share your landing page, and the most people that gather the most emails end up getting a prize, uh, you know, a free set of sheets or whatever. Uh, and so uh, that landing page that we made with our content, we did a photo shoot in February. I wrote all the content for our landing page. We ended up gathering emails at a 46% clip, which is obviously, in my opinion, that's absurd. Nobody gathers emails at that rate. Um, and so we ended up spending less than $10,000 to gather 11,000 emails. That was my entire budget ahead of the launch was I I knew I had to spend $10,000 in order to gather the emails that were going to make it successful. Um, so luckily I had that money and, uh, to start the the business with. What were the creatives like in, in, um, face? Did you use your, had you already produced the, the Indiegogo video? How did you present the, the offer, you know, um, on, on Facebook to, for, for the email collection? It was all images. It was all static images. So we, so we had, uh, we had a photo shoot in February, 2018. It was actually the Super Bowl. Um, that day, that photo shoot, I remember it like it was yesterday because Tom Brady lost to the Eagles and couldn't complete the final drive, uh, which was awesome. Um, sorry for all the Patriots fans that wasn't. Uh, but so I remember that photo shoot. It was uh, it was great. It was me and my friends, free models. I provided pizza and whiskey and cigars and food and. We, you know, we drank wine in bed and we were laughing our asses off and we had a professional photographer come in for the day and do a 10 hour shoot. And we got so much usable content out of that. I don't think I'll ever be able to replicate that day in terms of the brand imagery. Um, and I mean, the, the images that came out of that are some of the famous ones for our company that people see on Facebook a lot, which is um, the number one one was three men in a bed with beards and avocado face masks on drinking red wine. Uh, and no one, <laughs> there's no other betting company in the world that will show you that imagery. Uh, and so for people, it was, I love doing that. I love taking pictures that no one has ever seen before. And, and since then we've done cigars in bed, fireworks in bed, we've done grilling in bed, we've done, um, you know, all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff in bed. And dogs in bed, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the dog. I mean, the dogs in bed are, are I think, are pretty, pretty trite at this point. But, but it was, um, you know, the way it was the feeling that we got during that photo shoot. Um, and I'd recommend that anybody starting out do a photo shoot with their friends for their first yeah. models because they know you, they know what you're trying to do. Um, and luckily, I have some amazing friends who are not shy about getting on camera, and we had so, so, so much fun. Um, and so those are the images that we use in the Facebook ads. And, and from a, from a tactical level, from a really detailed point of view, one thing that I would tell people is if somebody leaves a comment on an advertisement that you're running, mm-hmm. respond to the comments. There are so, there's so many brands, big companies that run Facebook ads and, and then people will comment on the ads and it blows my freaking mind that some companies don't respond to these. These are literally human beings asking a question on an, advertisement like they are right there to the point of purchase go answer their question and so you know what i would do is i would spend hours every day when i first started out answering questions on facebook on these comments and what ends up happening also from a from a higher level point of view is if let's say you get asked 
a hundred questions. If you respond to every one of them and then they respond back to you, that is now 300 comments from 100 questions. And when people are scrolling through Facebook and they see an ad and the ad has a thousand likes and 300 comments, it doesn't matter if it's only a hundred different people that have interacted with it. They see that number and that number is an anchoring bias. And that anchoring bias is super important in terms of how people perceive you and perceive your brand. And that anchoring bias is super crucial in terms of people actually taking the time to click the comments, read through, understand what this company is, and then click the ad. And I, what's I, your, I can't, what's, yeah. What's your approach to trolls? There's two approaches to them. One is that we respond and we are, we're, generally speaking, I would say we're smarter than most people that are wasting their time trolling companies. So we tend to embarrass them um, in, a, in, I think, a very upbeat, funny way, which is hard to do. Um, or two, you know, if they're being aggressive and rude and vulgar, then we just block them. Um, but you know, for the three men in the bed, we got a lot of people who commented at least in the beginning and they said, um, you know, Oh wow. Like you guys are all going to hell. This is unnatural. Like, you know, God's going to judge you. And you know, we just responded from the company and we said, you know, if, if we're all going to hell, then hell sounds lit. And, and then, you know, we <laughs> responded, some, somebody else said, you know, I, this is, this is disgusting. And we were like, um, you know, yeah, we know like we were, we were, uh, that red wine was, a uh, a Pinot should have totally gone with a cab, you know, like, like, and, and so, and so, and so, you know, like being very like play and then other people were like, you know, this is unnatural. And we responded, we're just watching the game. You can't see the TV in the picture, but we're exactly. looking at the TV and the game's on whatever you think we're doing. You keep that to yourself, Beth. Like, you know, like, so like that, that type of, those type of interactions and then other people respond, they're like, you just got burned. They'll screenshot it to share it on LGBT Facebook pages, like saying like this company's awesome. That's the, that's the stuff that makes a brand. That's stuff exactly. Brand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's super, super interesting. Okay. So, um, well, so from January to May 1st, you're building yep. your list, you got 11,000. And then um, when it launched, you, did you only do Indiegogo or did you do Indiegogo and Kickstarter? Just Indiegogo, yeah. And why, and why did you choose Indiegogo? There are, I would say, three reasons why. One is that I had done an Indiegogo campaign the year prior with my last company when we were trying to save it. Um, so I was familiar with the platform. Did it work, uh, the previous Indiegogo? Uh, I would say no, we did $150,000, but we had 30 full-time employees. I ended up doing $284,000 with one full-time employee. Um, so no, I would say it was not a success. And, and we learned a lot from that, that I employed this time around. Um, so for people listening, it might be worth it to, if you failed once to do it again. Try again, um, exactly. Uh, now the thing that's, that was reason number one, was just familiarity with the platform. Reason number two was that um, Indiegogo is much geared, much more geared towards like um, you know uh, well, what was I about to say um, much more geared towards like purchasing so like you can define shipping per item you can define you know SKUs and like colors and sizes so it's much more of a shopping experience whereas Kickstarter is like I want to back this idea back this company and you know then you can like select your your pledge when you make it or whatever. It's just, it's less of a shopping experience, more of a backing experience. Mm. And and the third reason was that Kickstarter has about 5 million visitors a day. Indiegogo has about 2 million visitors a day. Um, so a big difference there, but 
there's also way fewer projects launched on Indiegogo than Kickstarter. And so I, my hypothesis was that we were able to stand out versus more easily on Indiegogo and hit the homepage of Indiegogo a little bit more easily than we were able to hit the homepage of Kickstarter. Um, and then in hindsight, I would say there's a fourth reason, which is, um, you know, uh, if we had done Kickstarter with the email list that we had in hindsight, um, we could have done a million dollars. And the problem with that is that everybody's like, bigger is better. No, no, no. If we had done a million dollars, there ain't no way that I would have been able to ship and that we would have been able to ship that many units in the promised time frame. And so that's that's another thing that people need to keep in mind is scale, where it's like on the, on the back end, how to avoid these logistics and that headaches and in these brand nightmares, because if you don't deliver your company's DOA before you ever get a chance to actually build a brand. And so I'm really thankful that we ended up doing Indiegogo because if we had done Kickstarter, we may have really shot ourselves in the foot by, by going too big, too fast. Um, and, and so I was, I'm really thankful for the size of the, the campaign overall. Super interesting. Let's take, let's take a few steps back. Uh, I didn't even, you know, go through it really, really, um, extensively. Um, so product research sheets, Yeah, you, th- there's, there's a reason for it, you know, um, mm-hmm. bed sheets, very perfect reason in terms of the research and product developments, how much time did you, did you outsource it? Did you collaborate with experts? How did you come up with um, with the right choice of material, I can't even pronounce um, the uh, you, you, eucalyptus lyocell. Is, eucalyptus, is eucalyptus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, so how and did so, you come? Yeah. Well, so it, it was you know, there, if I can be completely uh, uh, honest here, there's three main reasons why I went with this material. First and foremost, it's the most sustainable fabric in the world. Uh, secondly, it's actually a higher quality, more premium luxury product than cotton lower surface friction, more breathable, more cooling, uh, more moisture wicking, hypoallergenic, zero static. Uh, it's, it's really fantastic. Um, and so that's definitely something that, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, key in on as like a superior product. And mm-hmm. the third, the third reason is for a crowd fund. I wanted something that people had never heard of before. And so bamboo, cotton, all these different materials. I feel like people had heard of them. And, and so for a crowdfunding platform, you need something that's got a little sex appeal, a little that kind of mysterious, like, what is this? And I think for the average American saying that you can make fabric out of trees, um, was kind of like this really cool moment that we had where people were like, Oh, that's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so it's, the product has been around for, you know, a couple of decades, but it hasn't been very well marketed. And so really we were more of a marketing, uh, play than a, uh, product development play. Um, okay. although obviously I had my very specific criteria for what we wanted. We designed everything in house. Now we have a product team, director so, of product, director so, of so did you get a tech, did you get a tech pack or what was the process? Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. So, so we, we built our own tech packs, um, you know, with our specifications, with our, our branding, um, you know, everything from the ground up with the product is very intentional. Uh, how we do the corner tags, how we, how we talk to people in an unexpected way as they, as they touch the sheets, as they flip them over, there's different things that we have all over them. Um, the unboxing experience is very specific. It was very tailored for a direct consumer experience. Um, wanted somebody to be smiling from ear to ear when they unboxed uh, our sheets. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was very specific. It was very, it was very much our brand. And when you're designing something from scratch and you need a manufacturer to stop what they're doing and put your products on their line, 
uh, you got to come to them with a really big PO. And so we ended up making a purchase order. I think our first purchase order was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars that I committed to. Um, was, that, was, that, was that after the crowdfunding campaign? No, or that was, that was, that was, at, no, it was after we started gathering emails. So okay. if I, if I didn't have the email indication, I'm a big believer in like selling before you bought, before you make. Um, so the emails were our first form of like selling or, or traction and getting that proof of interest and proof to concept. Um, and it's just math, right? If we knew we were getting an email for X cents, um, we could basically say, okay, we're getting this email for less than a dollar. We're going to get 10,000 of them. It's going to cost $10,000, $9,000, whatever it is. That's going to convert at three bucks or 3%, which means that our average, you know, uh, cost of acquisition is going to be $30 or lower. Um, and you know, uh, we feel pretty good about this. And so that's when we placed the PO. Um, and so that was definitely harrowing. I had the, how, I had the wire. How, how did you, how did you know? Sorry, we'll talk about what you had to wire. How do you know there's so many variants here? Color, size. That was, so the beauty. The beauty about, and I would, first off, any entrepreneur that's listening that's like, I can do what Colin did, fucking go for it, man. I would love that. I would love more awareness around the category. Um, I will say I'm making it sound a lot easier than it is. It is like the forecasting inventory management supply chain setup is brutal. Um, and that's, I think, the hardest part of, of starting any business aside from generating the band and product market fit. Um so uh, we didn't do the sizing and color breakdown until one week into the Indiegogo. So I did surveys ahead of time to ask our email list, what colors do you want? What sizes do you want? Da, da, da. And I got how many bedrooms do you have? And I got that whole breakdown ahead of time from our audience. Like a thousand people took that survey. So it was a pretty representative sample size of our, of our email population. And that's also another... A marketing hack is when you're building products, you know, you know, you're going to have white, you know, you're going to have gray, you know, you're going to have clean, you know, you're going to have king. And those, those four SKUs are going to be at least half of your sales because people like boring stuff. Um, not boring, but they like neutral color, neutral stuff. And they all have clean, they all have mass market cleaning king size bets. And so, um, you know, but what you do is when you email people and you say, Hey, what's your favorite color for sheets? What size bed do you have? What else do you want to see? Like we did extra deep corners on our fitted sheets to fit 20 inch mattresses specifically because so many people asked for that in that survey. And so it made people feel like, and it was genuine that we were really listening and doing what we, what we did for product development based on what they wanted. And literally the five colors that we had at launch, uh, white, gray, blue, navy, and purple were the top five colors voted in that poll, period, end of story. I didn't care about the 6% that said green or the 7% that said tan like or the 2% that said red. Like I, like it was the five top colors and that was it. Um, and so, but then in terms of the quantities and the quantity breakdown, we did have one week worth of data in terms of the orders that people were placing in order to uh, make it an educated guess of what we would need at launch. Okay. So you launched first of May. When did you, when did you commit to the PO? When did you wire transfer? How did you feel? Going oh, I, oh, I committed to the PO second to last week of April. So before the crowd oh. fund, um, okay. wired the deposit, I think first or second, second week of April, if you're a good negotiator, you should be able to, to get a deposit of, you know, 20% or lower on your first PO with your manufacturer. Um, if you're a bad negotiator, <laughs> Maybe not. Um, and uh, how, how how big was the PO? Uh, it was um, I think three hundred thousand dollars. 
and <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, and the, and the deposit was, uh, about, um, it was tens of thousands of dollars, I would say. So, um, at least. Yeah. So, uh, that was not super fun to wire that right. much money to India without knowing, um, whether so it was successful, but the math, yeah. the math made sense. Right. By that point, by the time I wired that money, we had like 8,000 emails and people were excited and hyped. And so it was, it was, you know, it was going to happen. It was going to be successful. Okay. So, so the peer was for, um, okay. So I, I for fabric. So, so with the way, the way fabric works, we have pair apparel, bedding, stuff like that. Just for anybody yeah. thinking about starting an apparel company or whatever. Yeah. Um, the way it works is fabric quantity. So it's like square yardage of fabric is what you're ordering. Okay. So okay. as long like the, the manufacturer, if we ended up busting and, and whatever, like they didn't really give a damn about what <laughs> to us, as long as we pay them for the fabric. And so the, the, the cutting, the sewing, the dyeing of the raw fabric happens after the fabric production begins. So I, I knew I wanted to hit like a, a Q3 timeline to ship. And okay. I knew the, on, the only way that I was going to make that happen was by making the order in April. I couldn't delay another month, so okay. I had to get I had to get them started on it. Okay, so my my take from this is that it was um, well, your the appeal was for orders even beyond um, Indiegogo. It, it seemed like you wanted to stock up the the online store also. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So uh, I think we had three thousand units sold on the Indiegogo, um, yeah. and on our. I, I think our PO, our first PO was for like 10,000 units. Got it. Um, okay. And so uh, I can't remember the exact amount. It was lower than that. It was uh, nine, so I can't remember. But um, but yeah, so that was that was our very first PO. And that was basically to make sure that we had enough, not only for the crowdfund, but for uh, future orders after that. And then then you start to get into the, like the, the variable cost structure of actually running your business, you know, like what's your, your freight costs, your duties, your shipping, your transit, your return rate, which is just cash off the top. Um, you know, what are you looking at from a unit pricing perspective? You're selling pillowcases along the sheets. Like how does that do for your average unit price? Um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different moving parts of it, but that was, that was the fun part was I, I remember 12 months ago, 13 months ago, November, December, 2018, I was in the warehouse myself every single day packing me and my buddy, Bobby, we were able to, and Emily too, we were able to get out something like 250 units a day, uh, 250 orders a day. And we had 3000 to deliver. I think, I think we had like, I don't know, three weeks to do it to guarantee shipping by Christmas. Wow. <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> I was going on the weekends. I was staying until 10 PM at the warehouse. Like my bones are aching, but it was so much fun. That was the, those are the most fun days. That it's fulfilling, where, exactly. Yeah, I have my headphones in. I'm listening to my favorite podcast. I got the Shopify yeah. app, so I can hear the ka-ching whenever we make another order on the website. Exactly. And I'm, you know, packing the. It was great. It was so much fun. Amazing, 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 amazing. Okay, so um, yeah, um, so so we have the PO. You you got the PO from um, from from. So did you do you have it done in China, Vietnam, where Southeast Asia? Where in Southeast Asia do you have them produced? Um, no, we haven't produced in India. In India, okay, well, well, mm-hmm. and then yeah. the, the box. What about the your, the? You were very particular about the unboxing experience. What what yeah. did you? Where did, was that done in India also? Or was that? Uh, was that I, I designed I designed it myself, and we we, pro, we prototype everything in Denver. So. 
Um, this is our sheet box. This is not what we launched as we launched with a white box, um, which for, for anybody out there thinking about boxing, don't do a white box because FedEx will beat it to hell. Um, so, uh, we just changed to this. You can see it's, uh, it's kind of very intentional in terms of the unboxing. It, it's a really good feel good. She's a giggle sheet. Yeah. Then you have the social call to action, talk sheet at sheet giggles. Um, we have a call to action on the bottom of the box for a URL that people can go to, um, yeah. to review, to review and get some free stuff. Uh, and it's, you know, in terms of like what's actually in the box, uh, you've got the sheet set, you've got, um, a bunch of little goodies and like eye masks and stuff like that. Um, and it's just like a really premium, I mean, you're, you're selling $150 sheets. You've got to, you've got to make them feel like when they open the box that they spent their money very wisely. Exactly. Um, and so, and so the unboxing is very crucial to see to, I think reviews depend very much on the product, but they also very much depend on the feeling the person has about the product. So, so let's talk about, um, business now in the last 18 months. Um, what, what does it look like? Do you have ideas of like, um, returning, you know, customer rates and, um, do you also have ideas on actually, yeah. Do, do, what, what does business look like now? Um, well, September, 2019 was 11 X, uh, September, 2018, which I love. Uh, we got a bunch of full-timers working in Denver. Now we're hiring new people every month. Uh, we are introducing new product lines, like our comforters, uh, that are also based from eucalyptus lyocell. Best thing you'll ever feel in your life. This comforter that comes out in, it starts shipping in early March. So we're doing the pre-order in February. Uh, and, um, you know, now, uh, the holidays were fantastic. You know, people giving gifts. We're on Amazon now. We have we have 323 reviews of our sheets on Amazon, 4.5 stars, 80 percent five star rated. Um, on our website, we are 4.8 stars with almost 2,000 reviews now. Uh, and on Facebook, we're 4.7 stars. And I just want to make a shout out to people in the audience to that to make sure that they understand. The reason why I'm really stoked about the, the review similarity amongst channels is because there are other people in the direct to consumer space and the e-commerce space. And I won't mention any names or any competitors who spoof their reviews. And the way they do it is not by faking five-star reviews. The way they do it is by hiding the critical reviews. And what, right. they're, do, what they're doing is they're getting that, you know, four point whatever number as high as possible out of five to anchor the, the visitor, the page visitor on that number. And then everything the page visitor does after that, everything they read is anchored on 4.6, 4.7, 4.8. When in reality, and that's why as a shopper, you should go to the website, you should go to Amazon, you should go to Facebook and you should go to Google and you should look at the review scores across every single channel because you can't hide Facebook reviews. You can't hide Amazon reviews. And for that reason, there are competitors of ours that don't even allow Facebook reviews. They don't even allow people. They hide Facebook it. Reviews. Yeah. They just, it's just not even an option. And so there, there's a competitor of ours. I won't name them. Um, in the eucalyptus lyocell sheet space who has a 4.8 star on their website, a 4.1 star on Amazon and a 3.8 star on their Facebook. And it's because they, in my opinion, in my guess, and I haven't named the company, so this is not libel or slander, but I think that they hide their one and two star reviews on their website. And you can go on their Amazon reviews and you can read people saying, you know, I tried to leave a review on their website, but they wouldn't let me, it would never submit right. it. So I have to leave one here. And so, I, you know, I'm very, very, very proud that we have such consistency across channels. 
Super, super interesting. Before I let you go, um, what about when did you decide to, you know, um, why did you decide to take VC money, um, to go, mm. go for Sid rounds? Was was it intentional? Was was that the the extremely the extremely intentional? It was so. Um, just to specify, it wasn't VC money in a lot of ways. It was it was okay. a lot of angels. There were some institutional investors that came in, um, but everybody that I spoke with, you know, I, I made sure that we were aligned on the company goals. I told them, and for anybody thinking about raising money for an online business, you need to be very, very specific about who you raise from, why you're raising the money, and what you're going to do with the money, and what inflection points you're going to hit after you raise the money. So my entire pitch to investors last year was, hey, um, we're doing X $100,000 a month. Um, In a year, we're current trajectory is to be doing this $100,000 a month. I would like to get to 3x that trajectory and that same time frame. Here's our cost of acquisition. Here are our margins. Here's the revenue associated with it. If I raise this much money and put it all into marketing, this is how much revenue we'll make in the next 12 to 18 months instead of this. And you literally show them a graph with two different slopes, your current slope and then your accelerated slope. And that is the best pitch you will ever make to any investor because it's literally give me money to make more money, not give me money for my idea. Give me money for this thing I want to build, for this problem I perceive, for the solution I have. Give me money to make more money. And, and investors will just, they, they respond so positively to that. And, you know, we're not a boomer bust business. I don't want to be the next Casper doing an IPO where I'm losing $65 million a year, but I'm going to hope that the public doesn't care or realize that. And they're going to, I mean, they released an S1, so they're being very transparent about it, obviously. But, you know, when you're losing $65 million a year on $320 million in revenue um, and you IPO, that's a very complex business that like could have failed at any point in time. And there's a lot more, there's a lot more failure points reaching that level of revenue and that level of, of complexity then there are reaching a modest, profitable, successful level of business. And so for me, this entire thing is a, is a life goal. It's a life vehicle for me to be independent, for my team to be independent, for my coworkers and employees to have the same type of independence that I want to enjoy. Um, and so this is not a 20x growth rate or go bankrupt type of VC investment. This is a uh, amount of money that we raise in order to grow more aggressively and have cushion for mistakes because we're going to make mistakes. We're going to screw up yeah, um, and then ho- give our investors a reasonable rate of return. And everybody's very excited and comfortable about that. Um, okay. and, and yeah, there were people that passed on investing who wanted us to commit to doing that, you know, 20 X 30 X, you know, hockey stick, blow it up, spend a hundred dollars for customer user acquisition. I was like, nah, we're not going to do that. How, how many months in did you get that proof of concept and start pitching to VCs? So we, we raised our first amount of money in, I think, October 2018. So we had already did the crowdfund. We already had seen our conversion rates, cost acquisition. Like we had our initial numbers. Six like months. Saw, yeah, six months. And then, uh, and then uh, July, August 2019 was when we closed the next 1.5. So about nine months. So we started pitching, I don't know, maybe sometime in May of, of 2019, pretty fast fundraise. Um, how's the money, how's the money changed your business? Because you, you just alluded to the fact that you were with your buddies 
on the run up to Christmas, you know, um, sweating. Yeah, in the warehouse, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and picking stuff yourself. How has the money changed? Are you using it to, for talent? You know, I've, I've hired, yeah, we've, yeah, we've hired like five people in the last few months. Uh, we're hiring more people every month. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a piece of that. Uh, mostly we put it in the mar- to marketing, better, better. Yeah, acquisition, but more, more prospecting, get the brand voice out there more, more PR more, uh, more affiliate marketing. So like, you know, giving people sheets to review and, um, you know, financing things like that and, you know, yeah. doing, doing newsletters and sponsoring, we sponsor YouTube videos. There's this guy on YouTube named Ryan George, shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Love Ryan George. He is like the funniest dude on YouTube. He does these, mm-hmm. uh, pitch meetings, uh, for, mo- for movies and he does like first guy to ever do. So he's like, eh, it's hard to explain, but we sponsored his videos and he does great sponsorships for us. And that's been really successful for us. Um, and so, you know, like we just try a bunch of different things. We tried last year, we tried podcast, kind of a bust. We tried direct mail, kind of a bust. Um, and if we hadn't had that cushion to try these things without worrying about if we were going to be in business in 12 months, we wouldn't have learned what worked and what didn't work. So it's also an educational piece for the, for the business. Finally, what's your retention strategy? Um, well, we never email people. I hate corporate email. I can't stand it. My, 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 I'm serious. My, my email is my emails trash. I have like 2,500 under emails. I can't stand it when a company emails me. So we actually don't email people except maybe once every two months. Um, and so what ends up happening is because we only email people once every month or once every two months, they open the email and we have like a huge open rate. Um, and, and that's great because people, they don't, when they sign up for our stuff, we tell them like, don't expect emails from us. And if you get one, open it because it's going to be worth your while. Um, and so our open rates are, I think we had like a 50% open rate on one of our recent emails. Um, yeah. And, and how, how, how many people did you send the, 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 the email to? Tens of tens of thousands. Tens of thousands um, of 50% yeah. open. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was having um, a conversation with a, with a company advice and, um, you know, um, they, we, we decided we're going to double down, no, not double down, back out of like giving too many coupons and sending too yeah, many. We, yeah. We don't, we don't do the discount strategy very much. Yeah. yeah. No, we, we only do discounts on holidays and not all holidays, just like big ones. And then like Valentine's day work this year, we're gonna do 14% off because the 14th. So seems fun. Yeah. seems interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and we're going to, we're going to, we do pre-orders. So, like if you order a comforter in February, you'll get 30% off, um, the price because you're gonna have to wait for four or five, six weeks. Um, and that's a trade off people will make. So we do discounts like that strategically. We, we do, we do black Friday, but in a different way this year, we donated 20% of all of our sales black Friday through cyber Monday, um, to the world wildlife fund to help save koalas yeah. in the wake of the Australia wildfires Australian this year. Yeah. And we raised, we raised almost $20,000, um, wow. for the, for that. And so that was, you know, it, it takes a bite out of our revenue. Mm-hmm. It takes a bite out of our, our profitability for the year. Um, but stuff like that is like why I started the company that we, we plant a tree for every single order we receive now plant tens of thousands of trees. Um, we donate to causes like the world wildlife fund on behalf of our community. We donate sheets to homeless shelters, uh, in Denver and other, other cities across the country. And if people donate their sheets before they buy S and G, they can email us a picture of them donating their sheets and we'll respond with a 10% off code for your order. Um, because we, sheets are the number two most requested item at homeless shelters. And, you know, on top of all that, we're, we're what's called a pledge 1% company. So 1% of our equity 
is pledged to local Colorado charities. And so if we end up exiting for a nice sum of money, that's a 1% of that goes to Colorado charities, which can be extremely, extremely meaningful. So, um, you know, that, and that's, and that's no skin off our bones, just it's potential outcome. Um, I love doing stuff like this. Like if the company fails, um, you know, knock on wood, if the company bombs and it's been two and a half years, so hopefully we keep going on our current trajectory, but if the company ends up failing, you know, you can still look back and say, you know, we made a significant ecological, environmental and uh, personal impact on people. I think that's, that's what I really wanted to do when we started. Yeah, I, I love the sustainability angle. That's that's what you know really really caught my attention, Colin. I'm not going to take too much of your time. You've been a fantastic guest. Thank you for Thank um, you. actually the flexibility at the start because um, we're meant mm-hmm. to start 30 minutes earlier. Um, for people who want to follow you, who want to follow um, you know um, SNG, what's the best place to to reach out to you guys? Personally, I'm not a not a very public um, dude on social media. You can follow me. Uh, Colin D McIntosh is my Twitter handle. Um, don't follow me on Instagram. I won't accept it. Um, LinkedIn, I'm super easy to find Colin sheets and giggles, Colin McIntosh. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're going to request me on LinkedIn, please, for the love of God, write a personal note with it. So I know why connecting with me instead of just some random stranger with a connection request. Um, and then on, uh, for the company, sheetsgiggles.com it's the brand name just no ampersand so sheetsgiggles.com all of our social handles are the same way at sheetsgiggles um and we're a really fun company to follow we barely promote our products it's mostly memes uh and fun things that we put out there that make us laugh because i think that social media should be more for about making people laugh and having a better day than about you know buy our sheets uh and so yeah uh pretty easy to find just call on cheese giggles. You'll, you'll find us. Cheers. Cheers. I just sent you a LinkedIn invite. Um, Great. And um, just many, many thanks. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. This is super fun. I, I really appreciate this. All right. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind just search for 2x e-commerce on facebook to find it answer three questions and you'll be approved grab the show notes of this episode on our website 2xecommerce.com finally if you haven't already give the show a review on your podcasting app catch you on the next show and keep growing